I wasn't even ready. I thought, I thought we were going to have another song. Did, did we, we didn't sing that song then. Is that right? Did we already sing it? Oh, wow. Okay, I was in a world all by myself. Sorry. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Lord, Lord is, yeah. Lord, Lord is good, man. I had Anissa leave this picture up. Because it, this was the background to, I think, the third song that we sang, or one of them. Um, and when, when it came up, and, and I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, uh, that Shannon uh, saw the same thing, because I, I know she and I saw the same things in this one vision. I want to say it's been now four weeks ago, I believe four weeks ago, when the Lord... Um, had me step into his chamber as I was preaching, and I, I had asked permission, but he wanted me to declare in his chamber. And that's, if you recall, that's when the roof came off. Okay, Shannon got up afterwards, and she she explained what what she had seen. And this was the same. I call it a court, but really it's not a court. It's it's really his chamber. It's uh, it's a representation of the bride and where the bride has placed him. Jesus said later, later that week, as, as uh, a couple of us were talking with him, he said that the Father doesn't like to be held to that chamber. And that's why the roof came off. If you recall, the description of this chamber was that the floor was black. And the interesting thing, though, is it was the same floor that I recognized when I was before the throne of God, it was that same marble, that same seamless marble with veins, but it was black. And, of course, then that, that thing happened, and I was explaining to you guys, before we had heard, uh, uh, Shannon and I, I want to say this past week, I think, when Shannon had, had given um, uh, word about what she had seen coming from that room, and, and it was, because uh, last week, I believe you saw, it was a, um, like a torch, a torch that shot up and went into the outer atmosphere and then kind of went around, you said, like lightning, kind of. And four weeks ago, when I was describing to you what, uh, what the Lord had done afterwards and, and, you know, when she talked about in that worship beforehand, he had given me a vision of what was happening during worship. And I had a hard time explaining it because the vision he gave me at first, I believe, was interdimensional. And, and it, it's like, how do you explain that in three dimensions? I don't know how to do that. And so, so I said, Lord, give me a picture that I could explain. And then, if you recall, four weeks ago I explained. It was like during worship we broke through. And this is before we knew, or I knew, that the, the ceiling had come off. But, but we broke through this barrier that had been there and had not been broken through. And we found out later it was the ceiling of this box that we like to keep God in. But, but 
the best way I could describe it was this beam shooting up from a single spot. And it went way out into the outermost parts of, of the heavens, if you, you know, the, our, our physical heavens. And then the Lord gave me kind of an outside view of this shooting up from earth. And, and it's this beam that went all the way out. And when it hit the end, that's what it did. That's why I wanted to show this. Because that's what it looked like in my, in my vision. Is that beam hit out there and then it covered the globe with like little bursts of lightning. And, and when, when Shannon said that this past week, or the, this past Tuesday, it resonated with me. And then, of course, I saw this as the background, and I thought that was it. That, that, was, that was my vision. Now, what that means, in the part that I couldn't explain, because it was this interdimensional part, is, is what was being hit wasn't the physical heavens. That's the picture he allowed me to... To share, because that was the only one I could kind of get out of my mouth in understanding. But in reality, what was happening was there were dimensions being broken through that have not been broken through before with the church. That have to be broken through for the writing of the bride. In other words, we have built these barriers because of unbelief. We have built these barriers because of a lack of faith. We trust more in the physical world than we do in the real world that we cannot see. Boy, these are the lessons that God has been taking us through as a church for three and a half years now. Do you see the real world? That's what he's crying out. Do you see the real world? Do you see what's going on around you? I'll tell you, I was overwhelmed this morning in, in worship. And <laughs> that's not why I sat down. I sat down because I couldn't stand anymore. After I, I really overdid it yesterday. By the way, don't work when you're fasting. Stupid. Really not smart. I overdid it yesterday. And this morning, I'm just, during worship, just praying, God, I need energy. Please give me energy. And then Brooke prayed for that as well. And, and it's wild because I feel like I could run a marathon right now. Amen. That is and, and, and God, in that last song, he just overwhelmed my spirit. He, he was so, so heavy in my spirit. And I know he wants to do something this morning. I, I'm going to ask permission in a minute for something he, he asked me to do. But I, like, like every week, you know, I, I was reeling yesterday and, and yesterday afternoon. And, and, I, and I see what God's doing. And, and as a human, it frustrates me. I see what he's doing. He's done this over the course of three years now to where it's going to, I shouldn't even declare this, but it's, it's going to come to the point where he shares nothing with me until I stand up into the microphone. But la cause last night it was like, God, please come on. You, you know, you, you gotta give me something. 
Give me a hint. And you ever, you ever, you ever, and this frustrates me. Okay, okay, because she'll know a word, she'll have a word, I can't tell you. Okay, does that frustrate you? That frustrates me. Of course, I got her back. It's okay. I, by the way, I still know what that is, and you don't. No, but that frustrates you, right? It frustrates you when you don't know something. It makes you a little anxious if you're responsible for something and you don't know something. See, that's where I'm at every week. you you got to understand what, what my heart goes through during the week. I'm like, great on Monday. i got a week. Tuesday comes, I'm okay, we got service tonight. God will speak to me. Wednesday comes, I'm usually working, I'm doing something. Thursday comes and maybe we have, at night, you see Peter saying, yeah, 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 I get it, I know, I just went through that. And then Friday, I'm like, okay, Lord, weekend's coming now. Now we got to get serious. Sorry if I haven't prayed like I should about this, but I need you to tell me something now. Then Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening. And usually, at least up till now, he's told me something. He's given me a hint. But I see the trend. I see the trend, and he just keeps telling me, Greg, trust me. I told you. I will fill your mouth. I promised you that. And so what he gave me this morning, I mean, at least he didn't wait until I stood up here. He gave it to me this morning, or at least parts of it. I feel what he wants to do today is a declaration in that same court. Or, or in reality, the, the judge's chamber. So let's pray. Father, I ask your permission to enter your chamber. In obedience, I ask to declare the very words that you've, that you have and will place in my mouth and on my heart. I ask that you receive me with joy. And I ask that the very words you speak through me carry a heavy weight. I I don't even know that these words are, are for us this morning. Although they are, but they're, they're for the bride. I love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to turn to Zechariah chapter 3. That's, that's the only thing he gave me last night. He said, okay, seriously, you're going to keep bugging me about this? He said, okay, Zechariah 3 and 4. There, go to sleep. <laughs> okay, Zechariah, seriously. Wow, okay. Zechariah is a very interesting book. Zechariah was a very powerful prophet that saw very clear visions. And these are example, this is an example of one of his vision, really two of his visions we're going to go through this morning. But where it applies to us, where it applies to the bride, I think is significant because Zechariah, in this vision, this is what was happening to Israel. 
right? Zechariah has a he has a vision of Joshua, not Joshua the one who conquered the promised land, but Joshua the high priest. And what it was was really a declaring of Israel to be free again. It was a declaring of Israel to be pure before the Lord again. But what he told me is that as, as you go through this, I want you to look that this is applicable to the bride today. And there's a couple reasons for that. Because see, as a, as a theologian, I would have a difficult time with that. Because see, theologians, they'll look at the Bible as a black and white situation. They'll say, no, this was for Israel, doesn't apply to us, the bride. Or they'll say, well, this is the, bl- the bride, doesn't apply to Israel. And, and I understand that, because that's how you think. That's, that's how you're taught in Bible school, right? But what the Lord has shown me, and Jesus even says it himself, go, go and read his quotes. Go read Paul's quotes. Paul's are even harder than his. You'll, they'll pull out these verses that you're like, how does it have to do with that? But yet it applies because the Holy Spirit applied it. This applies to the bride. It, it will apply to Israel. Because what happens later in, in, in Israel's future, we know. We know there will be a point where the bride comes to full number. And God comes and takes his bride home when his bride is ready. At that point, everything shifts to Israel. And judgment. Not judgment on Israel, but judgment of the world for Israel's sake. But what was the bride for? How is the bride tied in with Israel? I mean, it's not just that, hey, we're supposed to treat her good so we get treated right. By God. You know, treat Israel good and you get blessings. It's not just that, although that's true. It's not just that. The bride is supposed to literally, the, the scripture says, make Israel jealous. Make Israel jealous. How do you make Israel jealous? It's because we have the same dad. We have the same father. And what happens when the father starts paying attention to one of the kids more than the other kid? They get jealous. Now, our, our, our daughters never had to deal with this, but we're dealing it right, right now with our dog. <laughs> right? Anytime I'll hug my kids or hug Alexis, there's Charlie. He just gets upset. And, and I can't figure it out, because then Alexa will be, she's the nice one, I'll just kick him away, but she's the nice one, she'll pick him up, and, and she and I will hug, and he'll be right there, and he'll just be happy as anything. <laughs> see, it's a jealousy that's produced when you see something in someone else that you want for yourself. That's what's going to be produced in Israel. Paul said it. And it has to. 
Because that is what's going to make Israel recognize that Jesus is the Messiah. See, we believe in the same Father as Israel. We have the same God, the same Father as Israel. However, they do not believe Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus is the Lord of hosts. Jesus is the the Lord of armies. Those who lead the bride. He literally leads the bride. So as the bride gains favor on this earth, it will lead up to Revelation 3 verse 9, where the world will literally bow. And by the way, it's not bow out of worship. It's bow out of just honor. The, the, that Israel and the world will honor the church, honor the bride. This has to happen before he comes. This will not happen until the bride is ready. But now's the time. It has already begun. The bride will be readied. And it comes from a remnant. See, that's what we see in Zechariah chapter 3. Let's, let's start reading here. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. Okay, I, w- I want you to picture what's going on here. First of all, Zechariah is having a vision. Okay, now this is a what I would call a real-time vision. Okay, I believe Zechariah was there. I believe his spirit traveled to what was going on. Okay? So so let me set up the scene. You have a courtroom. Right? You have a courtroom. The father, or in this case, it was Jesus. Okay? Well, he wasn't Jesus yet. but But he was the son of God. Right? He was the third in the Trinity. Part of the Trinity. He's sitting on the throne. Or for that matter, even all three are sitting on the throne. You have, you have Joshua standing here. Next to him, you have an angel who was a, a representative. Then next to him, you have Satan who was the accuser. Standing in a courtroom. Now, how is that different right now? We don't need the angel. Because it's Jesus. It's us, then Jesus who is our advocate, then Satan, who is our accuser. That's how it looks now. Back then, the advocate was the angel of the Lord. Okay, so I want you to picture this scene that's going on. This is a courtroom scene. This is a live or die scene. This is a make or break scene. And the Lord said to Satan, because Satan clearly was accusing Joshua. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. Is not this a brand that I plucked from the fire? Really, the word there is ember. Is this not an ember that I plucked from the fire? Some of you are going to know this in about a week or so, but after, you know, when we're at creation, but after you have a fire and the fire's gone out. Okay, now usually we have people like up really late. 
So by the time some of us get up in the morning, there's still glowing embers in the fire, right? There's no flame. There's no flame, but there are glowing embers. And, and it's really easy to get those to reflame again, right? That's what he's saying here. Is this not an ember that I have plucked from the fire that's gone out? Do you see what's going on? And by the way, that's what they used to do when, when it says uh, in, in the New Testament, it talks about, you know, love your, love your brother, love your enemy. Okay, it'll be like heaping coals of fire on their head. Do you know what that really means? That really means what they used to do back then for, because, you know, they would go to visit family or visit, visit friends or whatever. And it wasn't like here, like, like, yeah, I'll come visit for a couple hours, get in my car and drive back home. It was more, I'm going to come and I'll stay for the week. I'll stay for the month. I might be there six months. Okay, whatever. And what they would do when they would have a long journey back and forth is they would literally give them coals, give them embers that were not flaming, but that when they got to their destination or wherever they were going to stay that night, they could use that to start a fire. So do you recognize what's going on here in the courts? He said, this is an ember that I have plucked from the fire that has gone out. Okay? Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. By the way, understand here, because it can get confusing. Thinking, well, why, why is the angel taking away his sin? The angel's not. The angel is the messenger. The angel is speaking what God is saying. Okay? So, so again, in this, in this courtroom setting, Satan accuses... The Lord rebukes Satan, puts him in his place. And then the angel says, it is time for your clothes to change. It's time for who you are as a person, the outward who you are to change. And he says, get them new clothes, get him new clothes. Verse 5, then I said, then Zechariah, and this is why I believe he was actually there, and it wasn't, a, wasn't just a vision, because he actually engaged in it. Then Zechariah said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. This next part is a key. And the angel of the Lord solemnly assured Joshua. Get what this is saying. Thus says the Lord of hosts. If you will walk in my ways. And keep my charge. Then you shall rule my house. And have charge of my courts. And I will give you the right of access. Among those who are standing here. First of all, to understand what was going on there with Joshua is huge. 
But for us, it it pales in comparison to understanding that this is what Jesus is doing right now with the bride. Do you get that? Let's look at it. Think of it in terms of the bride, okay? Thus says the Lord of hosts, if you, bride, if you, individual child of God, will walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house. That word rule there means govern. You will literally govern my house. And have charge of my courts. Okay, do you get that? Do you get what that means? That doesn't mean the courts here in Newcastle County. You will have rule over my house. And you will have charge over my courts. What that is, is influence in the court. You will have influence before the Father. In my court, you will have charge of my court. See, what that means is that we're not always just going to court to plead for something. Or to plead for our lives. To plead for something better. To plead for a cleansing No, there comes a point when you walk in the Lord's righteousness. You walk in His will. You give Him your will and you walk in His will. There's a point where you come to court to fight for others. And He gives you charge of that court. What happens when you're in charge of court? Has nothing to do with the outcome, by the way. Because the outcome is the judges. However, it gives you some input into what happens. Gives you input into who you can take and who you can fight for in the courts. We have that accessible to us. I don't know, you know, if, if, if I were to sue somebody and try and get it on the docket, it might be six months, a year, two years, three years before I can actually get a court date. But see, what God's saying here is if you walk in my ways and you walk in my righteousness, I give you access. I give you access and I give you charge. Father, I declare, I declare that this is what you want for the the bride. You want the bride to walk in your ways, walk in your righteousness. And when the bride does, you will give them access. You will give them charge of your courts. You will put them in control of your house because you could trust them. I say that in Jesus' name and by the power of His blood. There's another part here that's extraordinary. And I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. Where were they? Were they in a physical court in Jerusalem? No. No, they were in God's court. They were in heaven's courts. And he said, if you do this, I will give you the right 
of access to those in this court. See, Joshua already had the right of access to physical people. I mean, he was the high priest. He had access to anybody. He was the highest guy, the main dude. Right? He had access to to the prophets. He had access to the people. He had access to all the religious leaders. That's not what he was being given access to. He was literally being given access to heaven's courts. Filled with those who do heaven's work. What that reminds me of is what Jesus said said to his disciples. He said, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's where this comes from. But see, there was a prerequisite to that. You can't just learn a phrase and expect it to happen. Well, I bind you on my life and I don't want to be an alcoholic anymore. I bind you in Jesus' name. See how long that lasts. Because see, you can speak words all you want, but the authority is given by God. The authority is given by a life that's given to God. And we are entering a day in history like no other day before. And that day is that God is drawing a line in the sand. He will no longer allow the bride not to be readied. He will no longer allow the bride to have focus on whatever they want in this life, taking their focus off of the Father that He is. He's drawing a line in the sand. I declare that in your courts, Father. You are drawing a line in the sand. The verse in Revelation 3, I I, I think it's, I can't remember, 25 or whatever it is, but no, it's not 25. But the one, might even be Revelation 2. (laughs) It's in Revelation. The verse that says, I would neither you be hot or cold, but I can't stand lukewarm. Three what? Thirteen? Three twelve. Three twelve? Okay. It's in the Bible. It is written, that's right. I would rather you be hot or cold, no more lukewarm. That's what the Lord is declaring, and He's going to begin drawing a line in the sand for every church, for every Christian who is a child of God. When they hear the message of that, they will have a choice. It will not be business as usual any longer. As that word spreads, it will not be business as usual. Because God wants us to be hot. If you choose to be cold, you're no longer, it's not that you're not his kid anymore. It's just the blessings that are going to pour out onto the bride, the very favor that will bring a jealousy to Israel cannot fall on complacency. It just can't. And so God is calling a remnant. And that remnant is what he is giving access to. 
as we walk in His righteousness and walk in what He wants, He gives us access to the court and access to the court's assets. See, in so many ways we use this we don't even recognize. You know, every time, and I learned this a year and a half ago, if I didn't pray over our property every night, then we have visitors. Right? Then I learned to pray over it when we leave. Otherwise, Charlie gets visitors. (laughs) Do you know what, what we're doing when we pray for that protection? Is we're accessing the courts, those members, those warriors, those ones who who fight the very fight that we bind on earth, then they bind in heaven. When we loose on earth, then they loose in heaven. Do you know what happens on earth is not the most important thing? Because if it isn't declared and done in heaven, it means nothing. So these angels that literally are waiting for you to be in sync with the Father... And when you're in sync with the Father, they're waiting just to be told. They want to engage in the fight. I'll, I'll tell you, we, this past week we had two different nights of, uh, of going to the courts for people, of deliverances. And, and, and by the way, that's, that's a, the, the term deliverance is not, it doesn't mean like the, the, uh, maniac in, in, Matthew, where he was filled with 2,000 demons, he's ripping off everybody, killing whatever. That, that's, I think that certainly is deliverance, but that's not just what deliverance is. Deliverance is a breaking of a stronghold. Every one of us has that and needs that. So this past week we had, we had two different times that, uh, uh, two different times and five different people that, that uh, a group of us met and, and, and did this, and it was extraordinary. It, the, the thing that I've noticed, and I, I've been a part of many of these now, the thing that I've noticed is the more passionate the person being delivered is about when once it's forgiven and the, this, this spirit no longer has any control, any stronghold, then, then they bind and cast to the abyss this spirit. The more passionate they are, in their voice, the more violent the video becomes. Just, just ask those who, who see it. It's like, okay, you got, wait a second. I, I, hold on. I, I got to finish watching this before I can tell you what's going on. Angels are eager to engage. You know, I mean, that, that's, that's the assets of heaven there for our use in and according to God's will. Not, not that you could just use them for anything you want. That's not what he's saying. Because that's unfortunately been the direction of the church. Even the charismatic church. Whatever. I, I, don't, I don't like labels. But that, that's what the church does. Well, if you just learn this phrase. I remember sitting under this teacher. You would all know this person if I said who it was. And... Basically, what the preaching was, was if you just word, learn the word declare, you just start declaring. 
Just start declaring and you're going to have what you declare because of the power of the declaring. And I'm like, I I could see how that would work. But doesn't that person kind of have to qualify to have the authority to declare? Yeah, yeah. See, that's the problem with so many in the church today is that they will just learn an item of information and live by that information. I did that for 40 years. I did that where I learned the 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 bullet points and, and the intricate bullet points even of the Word of God. I knew the Word of God backward and forward, understood it. It was, it was all this amazing information. And, and by the way, that wasn't bad. I thank God for that. I thank God that He put His Word into my heart and a desire to learn it. But if, it, if I never had a shift from information to application, then it didn't do me any good. Do you understand? If you want to have authority in your life, church, if you want to have authority in His courts, it goes back to what He required of Joshua. If you walk in My ways and keep My charge, keep His commandments, in other words, what are the, he, he already said, what are the two biggest commandments? He said, in fact, all the commandments are wrapped into these two. Love the Lord, Mark, Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second one is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you really begin to understand what those commandments mean, then all of a sudden you will see all of the commandments start happening in your life. And, and you're just focused on those two. But now all of a sudden, oh my goodness, why well, I, I love my neighbor, so you know what? I'm not going to gossip about my neighbor. Why? Because I learned that Satan listens when I do that. Yep. Satan hears when I'm disparaging someone else, and he literally uses my voice as evidence. And it may not even be true. It may be, it, it may be false evidence. But the fact that it's coming out of your mouth, that's huge to me. Why do you think David said, I will never go against the anointed man of God? I will never do that. Now, now by the way, that doesn't mean pointing out something that's wrong. David did to Saul. Why are you trying to kill me? Right? Dude, I killed Goliath for you. <laughs> right? And, and even David being an anointed man of God, a prophet, the Bible says, yet Nathan came and he said what David had done. Okay, it wasn't that, well, you know, they have this position so we, can, we, can't, we can't, like, confront them on anything. It's not that. It's about going to your best friend and saying, Wait, did you hear what David did? I mean, he killed this guy, Uriah. It was, it was crazy. Now he's with his wife. What's up? Right? See, that is the sin. That is what's used in the courts. 
Not the fact of going to David. Why do you think Matthew 18, it talks about going to the person direct? Because to go to him direct and say, just like Nathan did, you are the sinner. It is you who has done this. And by doing it the proper way, what happened? David repented. And God worked his will through David. So why don't we apply that to ourselves today? We have to. We have to watch, like James says, every word that comes out of our mouth, we're held accountable for. That means gossip. Every gossip word that comes out of our mouth, we're held accountable for. But on the flip side, every word of edification, every word of praise, See, God's up there writing that down too. That's submitted to the courts too. Why? Because Jesus is our lawyer. He's our advocate. He's watching our lives. Oh, okay, got that one. Oh, that's all. Oh, that's good. That's good. This this is all ammunition that I could take to the court when Satan comes and, and says that he wants to sift you. I got a sheet of stuff now. He's not even going to bother coming. <laughs> Right? Do you see? He wants us to see beyond this physical realm. If you get that, if you get that, this whole idea of walking in righteousness will take on a whole new understanding to you. I promise you. Let's go on. Verse 8. Here now, O Joshua, the high priest. Now, by the way, something shifts here, okay? Something shifts because now it goes from what God said is offered now to Joshua. If you walk in my ways and keep my charge, I'll give you charge of my house, my courts. I'll give you the right of access among those who are standing here. Now there's a charge. And the shift is prophetic. Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, for they are men who are a sign. Behold, I will bring my servant the branch. Who do you think he's talking about? Jesus. That's who he's talking about. Right? He says, Behold, you, he said, this is interesting, you and your friends who sit before you, for they are men who are what? They are a sign. This is a sign. Back then, Zechariah was, was saying, this is a sign of what is to come. Jesus, who will be sent as a man, this is a sign. And I declare, this is a sign. And when Jesus came as the branch, he is a sign for what the Lord is doing in the bride right now. For behold, on that stone that I have set before Joshua, on a single stone with seven eyes, I will engrave its inscription, declares the Lord of hosts. And I will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. How'd that happen? It was the day that Jesus died on the cross. When he died on the cross, he died and conquered death for you and for me. On that very day, it didn't happen in his resurrection. It happened in his death. Because the time between his death and his resurrection, he just had to go unlock cages. 
set the captives free. I, you have to think that he was taking that opportunity when he was down near the abyss to say, God, he probably wouldn't do that. What I would say is, nah, 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 nah. right? He, he probably didn't do that. He might have. He might have. <laughs> but this is a sign. And there is a stone that will be engraved. He said, Engrave it, its inscription declares the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. In that day, declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to come under his vine and under his fig tree. Now this is where it could get a little confusing. As you study the word of God, much of the word of God, if, if you start getting this interdimensional idea in your head, so much more of the word of God is going to make sense to you, especially Revelation. You cannot study or understand Revelation if you are not understanding that it's happening outside of three dimensions plus time. That's what's happening here. Because he is saying, all this that will be written in stone, this inscription that's literally done right then, and he says, in that day, declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to come under his vine and under his fig tree. That hasn't happened yet. But it will. If you want to know more about that, go study Ezekiel. Because Ezekiel talks about the coming temple in the millennial reign of Christ. And in that time, exactly what is said in verse 10 will happen. Chapter 4, verse 1. And the angel who talked with me again and woke me, like a man is wakened out of his sleep, and he said to me, what do you see? I love that. I said, I see and behold a lampstand all of gold with a bowl on the top of it and seven lamps on it with seven lips on each of the lamps that are on the top of it. And there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. And I said to the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? And, and by the way, that is a messenger angel. Otherwise, you'd see in your Bible, Lord is capitalized. Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, do you not know what these are? I said, no, my Lord. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forward the top stone amid shouts of grace, grace to it. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. So, hold on, before I go on. This applies to today. See, when Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the grave, what came out of that was his grace. See, we don't have to be made righteous through sacrifice. Because there was one sacrifice that covered all of us. Yes. We just have to accept him. That's where his grace poured out. That's where this prophecy is applied to the church. 
Because His grace just pours out because of what Jesus did on the cross. And we've all experienced that grace. Verse 9, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands, now by the way, what that means is he had already built the foundation of the temple to rebuild the temple. So Zerubbabel, he had already done the foundation of it. His hands have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For whosoever has despised the day of small beginnings or small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. See, the Lord's setting a plumb line. I think, Jim, I think you sent me something about that. I don't think I've read it yet, but I think it was in the title. See, the Lord's setting a plumb line right now. Any of you that have been in construction understand what that means. See, see, the earth is not level, right? And and back then they don't have levels. <laughs> Zerubbabel, pull out your level. Yeah, no, that's what a plumb line was. See, a plumb line always goes perfect ninety degrees, except for I think one place in the world. It's in some cave where it goes all cockeyed. But anyway, because <laughs> of the gravity. Of the earth, a plumb line will always go 90 degrees. So when you're going back then, when you're going to build something, the plumb line was the most important thing to get it right. Because see, if you get the foundation right and you get that cornerstone right, the rest of it all plays off of that. That's what Jesus is. The Bible says that Jesus was the cornerstone. He was the stone rejected by the builders, which were the Pharisees, and he became literally the cornerstone. In his death, he became the cornerstone to build the church. You notice the Bible says, it's well, I'm just recognizing that. You notice the Bible says Jesus is the cornerstone, and then Paul says, I have laid the foundation. The foundations that you do not lay another foundation. Lay the foundation of Jesus Christ. What your job is, is to build upon that foundation that has already been set right because of the cornerstone. See, the cornerstone, the plumb line was put and the cornerstone was set properly. So then everything else, that entire foundation, which was built in the first couple hundred years of the church, Shortly after Jesus rose from the grave, that's all been set. So Paul said, build upon that foundation. Don't try and build another foundation. Don't try and build onto that foundation. Why? Because the plumb line was already set. If you stay within that foundation, then you are staying within the realm of what Christ wants. Don't despise new beginnings. Don't despise being in this house for three and a half years. Don't despise having to go through training after training after training. Lord, I I, I thought I got this two years ago. When are we going to have breakthrough? When are we going to 
have this happen. Because see, he's promised us. He's promised us that the Holy Spirit will fall. He's promised, and, and when I say promised, I'm talking about us, ignition. He's promised us. He, he's shown us seven places in the world that we will build bases, just like here in Newark, that we will build a base that will go from a point out 30 miles from that point in a circle, 60 mile radius. We're to do that in seven places in the world. That's the beginning base. And then from there, permeate. See, Ignition's call isn't just to those seven places. Ignition's call is to the whole world. We're just to operate out of those seven bases. So see, we believe all these things. We believe we're going to be in a building. Why? Because he's told us. I, I'm not sure why he did. He, he showed us the big ones. Like I know ultimately we'll be in College Square. Which is insane because it's all retail. Kmart's there. <laughs> barely. Yeah, that's true, barely. They're redoing that whole thing. You know, God, what, what, well, I don't know, well, it must not, they're either redoing it for us eventually, or it's, it's at a later time. He showed us Marrow's Road. I know we'll be in Marrow's Road. That one is, is a lot sooner. Then we would think. He said this next building, he said, he said, as soon as you get in, you will get out. Now, I hold my breath on that because as soon as, to him it's a little different than my soon as. But the point is, what he's shown us is there will be a progression. So do you understand? Do you, do you receive that? Don't, like, like he said here, don't, don't despise. And, and, and really what that word there means. You know what? Let me look up the Greek. Don't despise. Uh, let's see. If I could stop shaking enough to hit it. Don't disrespect. Don't have contempt for. Those beginnings. Hold them precious. Just like Brooke said in worship today, hold precious the times that we're here. Because they are precious. Just like the Father began a work in Jesus, how precious was His birth. See, His birth had nothing to do with our freedom. In fact, everything that we get from Jesus really was the last three years of His life. But yet, we celebrate his birth every year. The world. The world does. The whole world. Except for maybe Hindus, I don't know. Right? The whole world celebrates his birth. Why? Because you don't despise small beginnings. He was born in a manger. He was born in a bunch of hay. I don't know if you've ever been around hay much, but it's not comfortable. Right? He, he was born into humble beginnings. Ignition has been born into humble beginnings. Why? Because he needs our hearts, guys. He needs us to say, I will come after you, Father, no matter what. No matter if you give me a building or not. 
No matter if you use me or not. My desire is you. I want your will. I'll tell you from my standpoint. I know what he did in Joshua. He has done in me. I know he has done it in several. I know he wants to do it in everyone. But see, before you gain access to those places and access to those courts, you have to have the small beginning. You have to recognize that they're there. You have to allow the Lord to open your eyes to see what's even going on. And and I don't mean that you would see it, because some he'll give that gift to, some he won't. I don't see it. He tells me. Now, sometimes he'll give me, there have been times that he's given me vision in the moment. But seeing it is more about recognizing it in your heart. Don't despise small beginnings. Because what God wants to do in your lives, if we could, if, if we being sold out for him could fast forward five years or ten years, It'd motivate you. I guarantee. It'd motivate you. Because you'd see what God wants. Well, do you know what? That's what prophecy is. That's why he tells us things. Allows us to see things a little bit ahead of time. It's to motivate us. To show us that he's with us and behind us. And partnering with us. In just a few minutes, Shannon, I want you to come up. Did the Lord give you a vision? Yeah, he told me he did. I I want you to just share what you have seen in the courts here. Turn it on. I think one of the most exciting things is when the Lord tells you something, you say, okay, Lord, you tell Greg that you told me something. (laughs) And then he does. Because, um, you know, learning the Lord's voice, learning his discernment, you don't, you want to be bold in what God wants to say to you, but you also want to be discerning so that what you say isn't false. So, um, I want to share a little bit what I read last night. I, I worked last night, and, um, you know, as my shift was coming to an end at 7 a.m., I was. I was reading about Joseph's life, and his life um, was pretty extraordinary because he, whatever he was set over, he was given all the authority in. You know, when he had visions of his brothers, and he had visions that they would bow down to him, and even that his mother and father would bow down to him. And then he was he was sent to Egypt, and he was given all authority of a Potiphar's house. Except for Potiphar, Potiphar, he 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 uh, retained that the highest level of authority. But he said over everything else, I don't even bother with it. Um, it says in the Word of God that Potiphar only thought about what he ate, and everything else he gave over to Joseph's authority. Um, you know, then he goes to prison, and when he goes to prison, the Lord says, "Hey, this is a man of God." I'm just going to put him over all the prison mates. Then he goes to 
Pharaoh. And Pharaoh puts him over the entire land. Pharaoh says in the word of God, over everything, he placed Joseph. He said, only to me, Pharaoh, will you answer to. Even when Pharaoh went out, Joseph was right there, chariot right next to him, and he was announced with Pharaoh. And, you know, I was reading it, and I was thinking, what does this mean, Lord? <laughs> you know, what does this mean? And then Greg shares this morning the authority in the courts that God wants to give us. But he's still the judge. He's still the one who makes the decisions. He's still the one who renders the verdict. But he gives us influence in that court. Yes. You know, so that's kind of like what God has shown me this morning as we're going into worship. Um, was just that story of Joseph. And I'm thinking, I don't, you know, it doesn't make sense to me until Greg speaks. So we're entering the worship and I start seeing the same vision that I saw with the lightning, except it's a little bit different. I start seeing that atmosphere that I described and that Greg described. The first time I saw it, it was clear and there was one. This time when I saw it, there were many different layers of atmospheres and they were all different colors. And I saw them shatter from Jesus and an army of hosts and angels descending from basically space and crashing into all of those atmospheres. And it's interesting to see an atmosphere because it looks, you know, ethereal. It, it looks like air. It, it looks like it has a, it doesn't have any substance. But when when he invaded into into earth, they shattered like glass. And when they fell, when they shattered like glass, the, the whole earth at the point of impact just exploded in light. And I thought, wow, that's cool. I don't know what that means. So then that those those pieces of fragments of glass, they're, they're, they're all kinds of different colors because they were parts of those different atmospheres. They fall almost to the bottom or what would be the point of access of the earth and they turn into water. And then I see them rise up there. It's a, it's a water, it's a great water and rivers of, of many colors. And it, it comes it, it, it comes together and then it separates into rivers and it goes all over the earth. And then the next picture I have is a meadow I see. And I know that this meadow represents many, many different places in the world. And that many colored river now that I think of it, it reminds me of Joseph's many-colored robe. It was just coursing through these meadows. And the only word that I heard the Lord say to me is, the atmospheres will become the rivers of influence. Amen. And it was just extraordinary, just seeing the atmospheres shatter. You know, there are first the barriers to us being able to communicate with the Father in the chamber, to be able to access what the Father wants to give us in the courts. And then as, as it shatters, it becomes literally the vessel for us to influence the world. Um, and that was the word that I got after seeing all those visions, was that the atmospheres will become the rivers of influence. We all have a choice. 
you know, Lord, Lord lays choices before us. We've all heard prophecies. We've all seen, you know, part of what God wants to do in our lives. But it's up to us individually. Do we want to go on that walk with him? Do we want to run with him? You know, as ignition, we have said yes. We have said yes. And he is raising up this remnant of people to access the courts of heaven, not for themselves, but for the bride. This is the beginning of the readying of the bride. And your part in it is critical. What he wants to do is critical in you. Don't, two sides, one, don't think for a second that it's not you. If you have accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, then that's what he wants for you. If you're here, (laughs) that's what he wants for you. But don't think that he will just automatically do it in your life without your participation. He is, as he's doing with churches, He's drawing a line in the sand for individual Christians. And, and it's, it's not about, well, now, okay, my choice is to all of a sudden I will be a preacher. No, it's not that. He has a calling for each one of your lives. He has a placement for each one of your lives that fits perfectly into that mosaic that he's doing of the bride. See what you want? or what he wants you to want, is to be molded into that peace he wants you to be. Whatever that is. Because it's not about a career. It's not about a relationship with, you know, whatever. Husband, wife, future husband, wife, kids, whatever. It's not about any of those things. It's about, I want to be what you want me to be, Father. Because, as we prayed on the the call last night, because you know the end from the beginning. Why would I want my own will? Because I don't know the end from the beginning. Why would I want to take on something I don't know how it's going to turn out? He does. So why not trust him in that? Trust him to mold you into the person, into that piece of the puzzle that he wants you to be. Let's bow our heads. Father, we worship you and praise you, Lord. You are so good. And Father, I thank you for allowing me to be in your chamber, for using me and using ignition to begin to draw lines in the sand. Father, know our own hearts and how much we love you. We will not despise small beginnings. We will not forget what you have done in this house, what you have done in our hearts. We will not forget. 
because it's not about the place. It's about you. We love you so much, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Um, I wanted to clarify something, and then I want to say something about what Greg just got done saying. Um, I wondered this a while ago, um, if it could perhaps be taken this way. And then someone that's been watching us online um, actually kind of mentioned it and thought that this was the case. When Greg says that he does not know what he's going to preach on, it isn't, as Peter well knows from having recently gone through it, it isn't for lack of study. You can be studying every single day and not be certain if you're willing to let the Holy Spirit speak through you. You can have a wealth of information, but not know what is the word for the time and for the, the people for that moment. And so unlike um, what is uh, happens a lot in the church is you just pick a study and you just go with it and it seems like it fits. And I heard um, recently about this church. Someone was speaking to me about their job. They work in a, uh, in a church office. And um, they're not directly involved in this, but they're directly involved with the children's ministry curriculum. But that some of the people in the office uh, at their church, it's a large church, uh, they actually get together and they brainstorm about what the message series should be. And so they come up with, you know, what looks good, what's a good time of the year, you know, well, this would be a great summer series, this would be a great series in the fall, and, you know, well, how many people do we have? And it's almost like you put together the demographics and the audience, and you, 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 you have this plan to measure things A, B, C, and then you think, well, this fits. And, and then once they put together the calendar of service, of service ideas and themes, then they hand it to the pastor so that he'll know what to do with it, you know. And... I am not going to tell you that the Holy Spirit cannot use that because that would be judging a heart. But that's just not going to be what ignition is. Because if God's not in the driver's seat, see, it's not good enough to have him, the Holy Spirit and, and the Lord be in the car. That's great if he's in the car. But sadly, you know, he's moved from the driver's seat to right beside us to some, maybe the back seat. And if you have a van, some churches have him in the way back, hanging out the back window. He's so far from driving the ministry forward. And so um, so that's really why he says that he isn't always certain, because it's not for lack of study, because he's studying all the time. And I know that's what makes it frustrating. But I just wanted to say, um, with what Greg just said at the end, um, I love the song that the worship team sang in the waiting. Um, you know, stay steadfast, you know, um, don't lose hope, all these things that are really important. One of the things that is an easy temptation for me that the Lord taught me at the beginning of Ignition um, is, you know, some of us are maybe looking at full-time ministry or we're, you know, we're, we're waiting on different opportunities to come. But, you know, every single day of your life is a ministry. You know, if I didn't do, if I just, if I came to this church and didn't necessarily lead in any ministry, okay, what I do in my personal life, because I don't know, some people don't maybe know this, but I have been teaching at a gym for many, many years. And one of the things that the Lord showed me, he's always shown me to be a witness, but there was something different that happened when Ignition started. And it was that giving me your yes 
is in every single area of your life, not compartmentalizing that you're giving me your yes in your leadership role in ministry. So what happened is he, he just fundamentally turned upside down my interactions with people wherever I go. So now every time I go to the gym, every single person is on my prayer list. They are, I interact with them as, as I'm able to boldly and appropriately, um, you know, with witnessing, with encouraging them, with praying over them. Every restaurant we frequent, um, I have, I have a ministry at a couple of different restaurants with servers that I see that they regularly, um, wait on us and I know their name and I, you know, it's everywhere you go, it shouldn't be any different than what you do to serve the Lord at church. And he will give you a ministry wherever you go. And that, that's where the song in the waiting, God is in the waiting because really, and, and, and I struggle with this because yes, we're waiting for the building. Yes, we're waiting for the fulfillment of the promises. But, but the reason why God is in the waiting presently is because today, if you didn't, if you woke up and, and I'm guessing nobody died in the service, you're, you're awake now, you're alive, you're breathing. If you woke up breathing, there is a purpose for you right now. Yes. This isn't just a, this isn't just a day to get through while you're waiting for your real life to begin. And so today, there's someone you will see at a store. There's someone the Lord will lead on your heart. There's, there's interaction. There's people you can love on before you leave right now that can be a ministry of encouragement, a ministry of, of prayer, whatever. So I think as we are waiting for the promises, because yes, it motivates us, but it depends on how you look at it. There are prophecies that discourage me because I'm not a patient person and God's had to work that out in me. And when the Lord says, you're going to get this, I have to go, okay. Thank you, but since I don't know at all what soon means, you know, show me what I can do today. What can I do right now that is just going to please you? Obviously seeking him in intimacy in the secret place, but my ministry is every single person that I come into contact with that he highlights. And I'm not saying manufacture a bunch of things. Yes, we need to love one another, but ask the Lord who should, who, who can you highlight today? Who Lord do you want me to seek out? Because quite frankly, even in a smaller church, we still don't get to everybody. You know, you have to let the Holy Spirit lead you. And that, if all of us are led in that way by the Holy Spirit, no one will ever be overlooked because they can't be because it's not just our job to reach out to everybody. Even though I do visits and I do reach out to people and I do pray and, and there are, you know, I know I'm going to miss people. You know, I had, a, I had a team of 12 helper leaders in my previous ministry that tried to help me keep track of things. We still ended up overlooking people. So it's got to be the body of Christ having that same mindset. So that was something that I just thought, boy, you know, he's in the waiting, but it's, it is important um, to see that, that we can be serving him right now. Um, this week is the last week in our fast. And... We've talked, you know, Greg's mentioned different things, but I want to highlight for you, no matter what has happened to your fast, we talked about this in the ladies class this morning. For some of you, you are on track and it's exactly the way that God's asked you to step out in faith and have it become. Others, you may have lost your way in the fast and maybe there's a place of, oh, I just, I'll just catch the next one. Because you know what? I mean, I'm almost done and it just hasn't gone the way I thought. And so, you know what? It doesn't really matter. I know they'll do another one. And, you know, no, don't do that. Take the next six days. Amen. Ask God, what can I fast? 
What do you want me to do? I don't care what yesterday looked like, Lord. Forgive me for getting off track, for mishearing you, for whatever that today and to the end of this fast, this week, what do you want from me? Some of you may be on track. Some of you may not. But do not give up. That is not. Those voices of, yeah, it's no big deal. And, you know, it's fine. And I, yes, the Lord forgives. But that voice of, eh, is never of God. Ever. It's never of God. That's not the fire of the Holy Spirit within you. So ask God, what can I, what do you want me to do? What do you want my fast to look like? However many times I may have failed you this, this past, you know, 30 days or 32 days or whatever that we've gone so far. Between now and next Friday, what do you want that to look like, Lord? And then seek him hard for that answer. We have a prayer call every night. We have a prayer call tonight. Yes, it is Father's Day. Praise God. What better way to celebrate Father's Day than than to pray to the Father together with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, our particular family, we're celebrating Father's Day next week so that we can actually partake of food on Father's Day. So we we postponed our holiday until next Sunday. But, um, But tonight is the prayer call and every night. Tuesday is an important service, but Friday night is our celebration worship night. Now, one thing I want to be certain of before I say the wrong thing. Oh, good. It's here. Seven o'clock. I I thought it was 730. I think I told a couple people the wrong thing. Seven o'clock Friday night. It doesn't have to just be people that have been fasting. Invite everyone, anyone. Um, Those of you that were here Tuesday, did you see the wonderful group we had Tuesday? Um, we are, we are to the point where we're going to start needing to put Rose in the kitchen again, even on Tuesday nights. And the Lord knows what a hassle that is, but uh, he will provide. Um, we are so close, so close to getting in the building. In fact, as Brooke mentioned in worship, man, we're so close to beginning, we're going to beginning to, um, we're going to be feeling the, the nostalgia of the house very quickly because we're not going to be here. And it will, we'll be looking back to how it felt, the warmth, and I don't just mean the literal temperature that is very, very hot in here right now, um, but I mean the warmth of the, you know, just the intimacy of the smallness of it. Uh, we're going to be losing that. So do appreciate and do not despise, despise small beginnings. That's such a good word. So thank you so much. Um, but Friday night, Tuesday night, and then this week for the fast, stay with it, stay the course. Because again, this is the launching pad for what God's going to do in creation. And I'm going to let him speak of that, but... But we are so, we're just on the precipice of what God wants to do. So, uh, so do not have a defeatist attitude. Don't be discouraged. Um, and be not weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Okay, we've got to stay faithful. That's Galatians 6, 9, if you want to declare that and look it up. Amen. Yeah, just, just one last word, uh, just about creation. Um, in faith, I bought a few extra tickets before they went up. Because uh, now you could only get them at the at the gate, basically. Um, but I, I bought a few extra tickets. Um, if if you're still wanting to go and have not signed up, come talk to me. Um, we will have 57 people. Woo! That, that's the most we've ever taken because I think I think the last year we were, we were with LCC it was 56. So so this is one more than that. But uh, um, it, it's going to be insane this year. As a matter of fact, you got to see this trailer that, that we got. It, it's just, it's like a tiny house. It's huge. In fact, I might, I might bring it here because we need, to, oh, yes, that's why I'm announcing this. Those of you going to creation, okay, that we need to take your stuff up early because if we can't guarantee, you know, space in a car. We want to fit as many people in cars as possible. 
So like your your sleeping bags, your pillows, your whatever whatever we can take, bring next Sunday, okay? Bring next Sunday because we're going to put them right in the trailer. Um, if I can, I, I might try and have the trailer here. So we could put it right in the trailer. And you guys could see this beast of a trailer. It's really insane. And and I was going to have this as a surprise, but I'm just not good at surprises. So I apologize, but we're getting it wrapped. And so you're going to see ignition all over this thing. And it's good. So I'll, I'll try and have it out there next, next uh, Sunday. But please bring your stuff. Bring your stuff. Bring your stuff. Okay? And, uh, and come see me if, if you're still interested or, or nobody knows someone else. Because we'll be leaving, obviously, the following week. All right? Um, Jim, would you come up and just close us in prayer?